man, the portal's a crazy place. Crazy place right now. Gosh, there's so many players in the portal. I wonder how many of them get in there and realize they've made a horrific mistake, and then when they try to turn around, it's no longer there for them at their former school. It's I would like love a, to see a Arrested development. I've made a right. huge mistake. I wonder what that number looks like. I wonder what it looks like. Um, I don't think anyone would ever admit to it either. I don't think it would be a situation where you'd have people that admit to it. But, yeah, what a what a great idea at its core, right? <laughs> what a great concept at its core. What an unfortunate reality in how these, these young men and women, you know, it's not just in football. We see it in basketball. We see it in, you know, softball. I mean, hell, softball had open transfers before it was cool. <laughs> You know what I think the biggest problem with it is? Go ahead. I don't know that enough student-athletes understand you don't have to transfer after you put your name in the transfer portal. If more student-athletes would use it as a way to gauge their options instead of, hey, I put my name in and I'm gone, I think it would be – I think it would be better for all parties involved, but it's. I see that. I agree. I, I think that you know probably there's an inclination that once you put your name in, it's like I've told everybody I'm gone, and that really doesn't have to be the case, and it's not what it was intended or designed to do. Agree. I will add one thing that I do find curious about it. I, once you enter, for most guys, some guys are entering because they don't have an option. Right, they know they're not going to play. They know that they don't really their, their their scholarship could be in peril. But I wonder, Josh, what the percentage of guys are that enter and don't realize, hey, I can get back. You know, I can come back, and I can do this. I we need them. That sounds like a Max Olson project to me. That sounds like something one of the eight thousand college football writers at the Athletic could get into. But it also, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of guys being honest with you too. I mean, no one ever thinks they make a bad move until 20 years later. <laughs> you, know, you usually don't realize how poor your decision make your decision was until you are able to get long-term perspective on it. Well, and, and maybe this is a little bit more immediate because you do find out pretty quick, right, depending on the offers that are or are not out there. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yes, yeah, so I would say that you probably get a good indication of just – how badly you're wanted pretty quickly. It's going to be fascinating over the next week to see the, the tra- I've never seen the quarterback numbers like this in the portal and guys that I think can't help other teams. I just, it's wild to me. I'm curious to see if this is a trend that will continue for years and years, but portal's not new. Right, Portal's been around for a minute. There's nothing breaking about it. The numbers of quarterbacks in the portal is what I find fascinating. I don't know if we've been in a situation like that. All right, let's get Bill in here um, at 405-329-9000. What's going on, Bill? Welcome to the show. Nothing much. couple questions. I know you say writing, but with some of these kids that have decommitted, and they're not transferring, they're decommitted, reopen their Recruitment, do you think we'll see any surprises towards coming to OU tomorrow? Well, I will say this. We already, you know, you saw saw one. Go ahead. Yeah, Josh. You've already seen one. Yeah, four-star linebacker Kobe McKenzie, who 
committed to OU all the way back in, I think it was January of 2020, and then, you know, held that commitment up through this past year, was here in June, took the official visit to, uh, what, the big event, the recruiting event, Plank, on July 18th, June or July 18th. Yeah, the barbecue. Yeah, the, the, the barbecue, and then had held that commitment all the way through the season, and then, boom, Lincoln Riley leaves, and he decommits on November 28th. A week later, he's committed to your arch rival in Texas, and then just a – a smidge over a week after that, he's boom, flipped back to Oklahoma. And you're talking about a really talented four-star linebacker out of Lubbock that Oklahoma's now got back into the fold. So that's one. I don't know that there's others, like, for example, Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy. I think that's out of play. I think he's gone. For Oklahoma. Uh, who else, Plank, would be? What I'm really was thinking about was the three really highly skilled defensive players that committed to Clemson that have – they oh. committed and looking elsewhere, and I don't see you, you can't say that's rating because they they have decommitted. They never they're not transferring. They're looking at another school. Well, and you know we we kind of talked about this a little bit with you, Bill, what the other day, but you know there's there's names like Dalen Everett, right, the five star corner who just decommitted the other day, and you know there's. Who's the other? Keon Sab, I think, is the other one, was the big defensive lineman who had decommitted. Uh, I keep forgetting the safety's name, Josh, and you've talked about him a lot. Uh, Jed Campbell yep. was a guy, another defensive end, that had decommitted. So they've got guys that are out there uh, that, that have the possibility of potentially following Brent Venables. I mean, Dalen Everett is the one that has been mentioned by – and thanks for the call, Bill. I don't don't know if I hope he's okay. That he didn't get in a wreck there, did he? I I, I no, I don't know what happened. I hope not. <laughs> he good. We good. Well, and but, here's the thing with that too is I don't know what the decision timeline is for some of these guys that say decommitted from uh, other schools like Campbell. There's no uh, crystal ball prediction for him right now. It looks like the leaders are Texas A and M and Alabama. Right, but it you know I early signing period starts tomorrow, but you don't have to sign. There, there is a spring signing day still. Yeah, and I was reading a little bit um, about kind of the process that's taking place out at USC right now, and I know how dare I bring that up, but that's been a major push from. Lincoln Riley is, hey, you don't have to sign on Wednesday. We'd love to see you still come out here and take a trip. So I don't I don't know what the process is going to look like if maybe that's what Brent Venables is pushing for as well and maybe even, say, a Brian Kelly at LSU. But I, I do know at least a faction of college football right now, Josh, is looking at trying – to preach a little patience in making their decision, right? Yes, and just to give everybody an idea of what Keon Sab, what Dalen Everett, at least what the experts are saying, uh-huh. that would be you know your two four seven sports, your, your Chris Knees of the world, your still Steve Wiltfongs. For Dalen Everett, they've got him crystal balled to 
Georgia. Keon Sapp, it's it's a little split. It's there's no Oklahoma in there. It's Clemson and, and Michigan is what I'm seeing, what the huh. predictions are. So it doesn't sound like Oklahoma's in the mix for really any of those three guys, at least and, from what I'm looking at. And I would say, you know, to follow up on the point about not having to sign Wednesday is the push from, say, a Brent Venables on that front. Is it, hey, sign now, sign now, sign now. I doubt it. Maybe it's to say, take your time, dude. Take your time. We got until, I don't know if the top of my head was like February 5th, whatever it is. We got till February. Take your time. You don't need to enroll early. You're good. Come take your time. Don't need to sign on Wednesday. Come take a trip. Let's see how it plays out. And I'm going to have the same style of defense, and I'm trying to build something like we did at Clemson. And if you're not going to maintain your commitment to Clemson, well, I'm really acting this out to the nth degree, aren't I? But if you're not going to maintain your commitment to Clemson and you're thinking about going somewhere else, why rush your signing? Take your time. Come see me. Let's see how this thing could work out for you potentially here at Oklahoma. Why not, right? But I, I don't know if that's the tact or the path at all. But I think it's worth it. I know, Jim, you brought it up. I'm as intrigued as you are with names like Everett Sab and, and Campbell. I, I know I'm leaving someone out, and I don't know why I can't remember the kid's name, the safety out of Kansas off the top of my head. Can't. But th- thank you. I mean, there's there's four guys right there that could change the entire outlook of a recruiting class. And I don't think you're going to get all four. Let's just be real clear. Oh, I mean, if you get two of them, it dramatically right. changes it. But it's also something where I don't, I don't know what their timetable looks like. I don't know how close they were to maybe not going to Clemson anyway. But it's a fascinating conversation to be had. And one that for a while, you know, we thought would be detrimental to Oklahoma, and it has been. Right, looking ahead to the Malachi Nelsons of the world in the 2023 class, but for the most part, and you know, really, Brown's pretty special. But for the most part, Josh, I don't think the damage in 22. Now, again, signing days tomorrow, so we still got a ways to go. But I don't think the damage in 22 has been quite as severe as maybe what I thought it might be, and that's Agreed. a credit to Brent Venables, right? Well, and. Unless something surprising happens later on today, I think that there's a really good chance that Gibson is going to commit to Oklahoma tonight. He'll make his decision known where he's committing to at 6 o'clock. He plans to sign tomorrow. So Oklahoma's number 12 right now. That's after the Tarber commitment. I think they're getting a commitment from Gibson later on this evening. We'll see where that gets them to. And honestly, if that's what this class ends up at, that's pretty damn good for the situation yeah. that Oklahoma was in. The, the other part of this is I, I don't know with these three guys like Everett, Sab, and Campbell. It, it'd be a great question for Parker Thune coming up at noon. How involved – you know, you see Brent Venables as one of the recruiters for all three of those guys here at what I'm looking at on 247 Sports. But was mm-hmm. it more the position, Coach? Was it more Lemansky Hall – for Jihad Campbell, was it was it Mickey Khan 
for Keon Sab? I mean, I don't know the answer to that question. Was it Mike Reed for right. Jalen Everett? How involved truly? You'd think you're the def- defensive coordinator is always going to be pretty heavily involved in trying to seal the recruitments there. But was it more the position coach with any of those three guys? I don't know. Very true. And then the other part of it is, as I said yesterday or the day before, Plank, when we had this brought up to us, Brent Venables is not actively recruiting these guys. Those three are going to have to show to Oklahoma, hey, I, Coach, I really want to come play for you because right. he doesn't want to be in the business of trying to rip guys away from Clemson. He just doesn't want to. Don't think he wants that either. With Some of the guys, obviously, that have been committed to Oklahoma and to see them potentially go follow Lincoln Riley. I, don't, I mean, I know this might sound crazy outside of a handful of guys who have already decommitted. I want to say that I don't think Ryan wants to see that, but I don't know. But at the very core, you know from the bottom of his soul, Brent Venables doesn't want that. He wants if those guys decide that they want to be at the University of Oklahoma, then he'll reach out and he'll have a conversation with them. Now, uh, as we went to break, we talked about the newest addition to the Sooner 2022 class is defensive lineman Alton Tarber, who had been committed to Georgia Tech for the longest time out of Deerfield Beach. So it's interesting because he doesn't have a lot of stars next to his name, but he's also a guy that you kind of look at the measurables and you think, okay, all right. Dude had 23 and a half tackles, 11 tackles for losses, and five sacks as a senior last year. So, you know, Isaiah Simmons is another guy that didn't have a lot of stars next to his name. Sometimes you look for maybe a guy that you can develop a little bit. And in Alton Tarver, Looks like uh, they've got a guy that they like quite a bit. He'll be a part of this 2022 defensive uh, tackle class. Six foot five, uh, six foot three, three hundred and twenty pounds. That would be the part <laughs> up front. Which, by the way, I got to correct myself here too because oh. I was looking at the OU commits page on two four seven Sports, which I don't think right. they had updated. Uh, I mean, they'd updated there were fifteen commits, but they hadn't updated the ranking. OU's ten right now in the oh, wow. team rankings according to the composite team rankings from That's 247 amazing. Sports. And like I said, I think they're getting Gibson later on today. It would be a surprise to me if they don't. So, I mean, other schools are going to get a couple of guys late committing to them too. So there's a chance OU could even, with that Gibson commitment, shuffle back down the board a little bit outside the top ten. But the fact that we're even discussing that OU's in the conversation for that, given Pretty the, amazing tailspin that Lincoln Riley threw this program into with his departure. This has been a heck of a recruiting season for OU here the last couple of weeks. All right, when we come back right here on the ref, let's dive into what we know about some boys that are on the move. Heath Klein will join us from Columbia, South Carolina. He's with 107.5 The Game. We'll talk about the move of Austin Stogner and Spencer Rattler to South Carolina next right here on the ref. Hi, the Plank Show on the road today. We're at the Embassy Suites Hotel, which is the cornerstone of the excitement of today's basketball coaches' luncheon. So everything's a little off schedule, so I apologize. We're running behind to welcome in our next guest, the host, the host of the afternoon show on 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina, Heath. Klein joins us on the program. Heath, uh, first and foremost, thanks for taking time out of what I sure has been a 
busy schedule. Take us through your reaction and kind of when you first found out that Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner were heading to play for the Gamecocks next year. Yeah, it's, uh, it always came down, obviously, officially with the tweet, but the word had been kind of building through the day that, yeah, this, this is looking like it might happen. And i got to be honest, I didn't see it coming um, <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I mean, South Carolina has not been a place that you go historically to have a pro career as a quarterback in the NFL after uh, they have not had a guy drafted since the 80s, and, and that guy was drafted in a round that wouldn't be a round of the draft now. It's for a guy that I thought would want to find a place that would be kind of a safe place that he would know what he's working with and get himself to the league, even though we all understood the Shane Beamer connection. I just didn't think South Carolina would make the most sense to be that place. But uh, as soon as he chooses it, man, it changes a whole lot about what the perception is of, of this team and, and what this program might be capable of with Beamer. So it's a, it's a massive choice he's made. I'm just really surprised he made it. That's a good perspective, right? I mean, here is a man who is now in Spencer Rattler, the third choice for the Heisman Trophy, and he's heading to South Carolina. He Take us through what this does for Shane Beamer. Obviously, we've seen the great social media, the 6-6 six and six season, going to a bowl game after a tough couple of seasons, but what does this do for him, not just obviously with his team, but in the community when they see a guy like Spencer Rattler and, and in Stoggs heading out to South Carolina? How big is this for him within the fan base? I, I mean, it's huge in the sense that the main reason he's here is that while he's a likable guy, he had a bunch of former players vouch for him, certainly, but he also had the credibility of having been here at a time where South Carolina attracted a level of talent that they just have not been able to consistently do. And part of that was good fortune. They had an unusually strong crop of talent come through in-state, guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Stephon Gilmore and Jadavion Clowney that have been a decade-long NFL players. You're not going to get that every year in the state of South Carolina, and they... They had that, and they got all those guys. But but also, they had to get them in the first place. It's not like those kids automatically were staying home, and Beamer was a big part of that. And so that was the perception, was this is a guy who can come in and get the kind of talent I just mentioned to come to South Carolina when Alabama or whoever's trying to get him out of state and go get him somewhere else. Well, so far, you know, it's not his fault, but recruiting had been fairly tame. Uh, they didn't even get a chance to get started, obviously, until halfway through this year. And there have been a couple of nice commitments, but there hadn't been the kind of thing that made people say, oh, I get it. That's what Shane Beamer's here to do. This, this is that. This is somebody that, without Shane Beamer here, it is completely impossible to imagine Spencer Rattler is here. And just that jolt of energy hmm. for the program on offense is enormous. Guys, I don't know if you, you guys were following it because of Beamer, but this year, in 12 games, South Carolina's offense was shut out in the first half of four of them. That's hard to watch. It's That's not wild. a lot of fun. And it's been That's putrid wild. for several years. It's not like this was a one-year phenomenon. So just the idea that you might be able to go to the game and watch your team play offensively and not just be cringing the whole time, not feel like eight bad clams, that is something, just the idea of it, that is kind of wild to these people. So I'm, I'm just infatuated the quarterback position in general at South Carolina because obviously now you get – Shane Beamer gets his guy. You've got Spencer Rattler, and I think he upgrades it. But you kind of touched on it a bit, from an injury to Jason Brown to a, a guy that was going to be a grad assistant. Now, I know that they've got the freshman like Colton Gaither, but this really kind of solidifies what had been a, a roller coaster of a position for South Carolina. Yeah, the, the guy who was supposed to be the starter was Luke Doty. He got hurt two weeks before the season, got his foot stepped on, and 
uh, never was right. I mean, he's a, this is a guy that was raw, but the one thing we knew he could do was be a really excellent athlete and run around. In fact, Buzz Champ staff at one point, just to get him on the field, had to look at it, maybe even trying him at receiver for a little bit just to get the legs on the field. Well, injuring of all things his foot basically took the single one skill he definitely had away, and it wasn't great. I mean, he did what he could, but it wasn't great. <laughs> and you mentioned they put a grad transfer out there that was expected to be an assistant coach rather than a quarterback because the other options were either an FCS transfer or a guy who was a true freshman, and eventually they wound up going to the FCS transfer. Anyway, he had some moments, but, but none of these guys are SEC starting quarterbacks. You watch the SEC, you know what an SEC starting quarterback is supposed to be. None of them are that. Spencer Rattler may not have been what he was hyped up to be last year. Uh, he may not be that. I don't know. We'll see. But he is still miles ahead of anything they have seen here in years. Talking with Heath Klein, 107.5 The Game, down in Columbia, South Carolina. Heath, I can tell you, you, you picked up some fans from Norman, Oklahoma, for this upcoming season. Uh, big uh, Shane Beamer fans around here. Everybody, I think, I, I, I think there's a faction of the Oklahoma fan base that's a little bit embarrassed about what happened with the booze of Spencer Rattler. They want to see a good ending to that story for both he and Austin Stogner, but... From your perspective now, what's the realistic ex- expectation for Spitzer Rattler, for Stogner, for what they can accomplish together at South Carolina next season? Wow. Heath, we lost you there. Do Uh-oh. we? Do we have you? It was a, it was a good question too, Josh. Trying to, it looks like Heath was driving. I felt we we got into. A, uh, his a little bit late, so I feel bad. But uh, we'll see if we can't reconnect with him. Boo! You had a great question. You had a great question. My gosh! Cell phones are the greatest thing ever, and sometimes the worst. The yes. greatest thing because you're able to talk to someone while they're driving, and the worst because they'll drop out on random. And we lost him. Okay, no, Heath. Uh, <laughs> Heath Klein is back with us. There he is. All right. Josh, go ahead and reset that question just real quick for him. Yeah, I don't know if you heard all of that uh, question, Heath, but listen, you got a bunch of people in Norman, I can tell you, that want to see a good ending to the Spencer Rattler story. I think there's a fan base here that was a little embarrassed about booing him the way they did. But from your perspective, what's a realistic expectation for what Spencer Rattler, Austin Stockner, with Shane Beamer next season at South Carolina. What's the ceiling here? What's a realistic expectation? I'm real curious to see what else they can put around him because, honestly, right now, Josh Van was the one productive receiver they had this year. He had some injury issues, but when he was healthy, he made a real step forward. looks like he's coming back. Beyond that, the receiving spot is a gigantic question mark, and now, obviously, you've got one guy coming with him that he knows that has a lot of talent. There's another guy, Jaheim Bell, that's a tight end that might move out to receiver, but they need more. They need more proven resources. Now I'm curious to see how they can leverage the idea you're playing with Spencer Rattler into whether it be on the transfer market or, or possibly late recruiting, maybe adding some more talent there. I also think there's a real good chance there's an offensive coordinator switch. They've not made one yet. Beamer said nothing will happen until after the bowl, but unless he truly believes that the only reason the offense was so wretched this year was because of personnel and that that's the only thing that was holding him back, it's just hard to defend a lot of what we saw from the offense this year. So, uh, yeah, they didn't have a lot, but you still have to make more than they did of what they had for a lot of the season. So uh, that, that's the other thing now is, again, come, come coach Spencer Rattler and, and have a chance to, 
be the guy who helps get him to the pros and, and really for the first time ever in the last decade or so at South Carolina has an invigorating offense is a lot different card to sell than, hey, how'd you like to try and, and make an FCS quarterback or a dude who's barely played work? So I'm real <laughs> interested to see what dominoes this leads to. I don't think they're anywhere close to done yet. But if they're a bowl team next year and he has a good year, fans are going to love it here. Okay, I'll, I, Heath, I know your time is precious, and I apologize for getting to you late, but a final thought before I let you get out of here. Uh, obviously, in addition to covering the South Carolina Gamecocks, you're all in on Clemson and, and covering what the Tigers are doing in your area and on your show. What's been the fallout of Brent Venables going to Oklahoma? And I don't know, I mean, Tony Elliott goes off to Virginia. There's rumors of, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know if you buy him or not, but Dabo to the NFL. Kind of where is Clemson right now, and what's been the reaction to BV to Oklahoma? Yeah, Gamecock fans are ecstatic to see Brent Venables go. You guys are talking about how, you know, Oklahoma <laughs> fans have some love for Shane. Gamecock fans are so happy to see Brent Venables stay in Norman. They hope he stays there forever. Uh, but but uh, with regards to Clemson, I think some fans are anxious just because when you get used to having almost no change, then having all this change at once kind of blows your mind. I, Dabo's not going anywhere. I, that I to the NFL, I, I, that makes no sense. If you if you're watching what's happening with Urban right now, you know Dabo's not Urban, but it's a different skill set. He's just not that's, – that's not what that dude was put on earth to do. I, I can't see that at all. Uh, he's making some really interesting choices. I mean, he's going to build with only within his staff. He is going to promote their, – their line coach is probably going to retire from what we understand. They're going to promote from within for that. They're promoting from within for both coordinators. They're going to move a guy down to field level who is an assistant who hasn't uh, ever recruited, and, and you're, you're trying to make up for Venables and – what a force he is as a recruiter with a guy who hasn't even been on the trail. That's an interesting choice. But Dabo believes in his system and, and the idea that Clemson and the Clemson way are the way to do things rather than, than bring in outside ideas. And you know, it's funny because when Clemson got good was when they brought in outside ideas and Chad Morris and Brent Venable. That's when they made their jump. And, and look, maybe he's right. Maybe at this point, just keeping with the ideas they brought in and just sort of filling in the blanks with other people that are grad assistants working their way up. Maybe that'll be the right way to go, but but it sure is a unique way to do things, and I'm not sure I agree with it right now, but that dude's got a lot more rings than me, so wait and see whether he's right. <laughs> At Heath Radio on, Cl- on Twitter, Heath Klein, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate you coming on with us, and look forward to talking to you this afternoon, man. Yeah, anytime, guys. Sorry about the phone there. Nah, no, nah, I'm sorry I called you late, but that's Heath Klein. He's awesome. At Heath Radio. You can hear 47 Eastern if you want to dive into 107.5 The Game in Columbia, South Carolina, which I think I tried to call Columbus like twice, but it's all good. Oh, Jim Wade's here. The party's officially started. All right, got to take a timeout. When we come back on the Plank Show, slip a little news in. I may have to bolt it about 10 minutes, but uh, we're celebrating the Abbott House here at the Embassy Suites on the Home of Sooner Fans. I just got to say something real quick, Josh. There was a true, um, there was a true moment of celebration just moments ago here in the lobby of the Embassy Suites. Did I? Did you? Could you hear it? Did I sound like a schoolboy or what? Yes, I did. It, it, there was great <laughs> jubilation. <laughs> the uh, um, Bill Beanbow's wife, Meredith, is just awesome, and uh, when she came in, when she walked in the door, she walked in right next to Haley. Uh, who is one of our salespeople, and I was talking to Jim Wade at the same time, uh, and I saw Merritt, and it was just, oh, yes, right? Because if wife is here, husband's officially sticking around, 
And that was just really, that's really cool, man. Which, which gets back to one of the things that I've talked about a lot with, with coaches' wives is this whole staff before, which was so, I, I guess, maybe to a certain degree kind of surprising in the timing and the nature of it. This whole staff, their, their wives are so involved in the community. So that was really cool uh, to see as we count down to the start of the coaches' luncheon. All right, do you want to do some news here, or do you want to wait until the final segment when I may indeed have to bail on you about 10 minutes early? Oh, what do you think, Josh? let's wait no more. Okay, okay. Let's see. It's time for the news according to Josh. People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. I like to eat ice cream, and I really enjoy a nice pair of slacks. Years later, a doctor will tell me that I have an IQ of 48. All the news that matters to us. What you're about to see is a Channel 4 News exclusive. His name is Nutty the Squirrel, and he's three years old. How about that? (laughs) That squirrel can water ski. And hopefully, it matters to you. Now, with the news, here's Josh Helmer. All right, let's get after it. News according to Josh time. Um, my final segment, so go as long as you want here, Josh. Where would you like to start on this Tuesday morning? We do have a commitment today to the Oklahoma Sooners. That would be Deerfield Beach defensive lineman, six foot one and a half, 305 pounder. He's a three star. Alton Tarber, who was previously a Georgia Tech commit, decommitted, Correct. now uh, a part of this 2022 Oklahoma class. I, I guess uh, now the questions today, at least as far as I'm concerned, Xavion Bryce, isn't he announcing today if he's sticking with Oklahoma or if he's going to Texas or yeah. Texas Tech? So I think we've got that. On uh, the horizon today, I believe, and then Jaden Gibson, the wide receiver from Florida, widely believed he's picking Oklahoma. That's a 6 o'clock announcement tonight. He and uh, the quarterback, Nick Evers, kind of been linked up together. So I think this class is getting better later on this evening. Mm -hmm. We'll see about Xavion Bryce. You know what I think, Josh Helmer, more than anything else? I think it's been one of the greatest saves that we've seen in a recruiting class, right? The job that they've done to save this class, well done. Everyone involved. Everyone involved. But, again, maybe I'm planting the flag before the game's over. Maybe I'm spiking the ball before I'm in the end zone. But there's work to be done. Uh, how – I have this. Dustin hit us up on Twitter. All right, so what about these two of the Venables defense? And he sent B.J. Foster – who is a transfer in the transfer portal. And Chris, I believe it's Adamora, uh, who didn't play a ton, right, last year for Texas? Um, but two Texas guys that are in the portal. You and I were talking earlier about the Iowa State defensive back. I don't know if we did that on the air off the air. Ishim Young. There's some interesting defensive players in the portal right now, but I don't know. Um, you know, we can't talk about specifics with Coach until they sign or until they are officially enrolled as a transfer. But I'd be intrigued if those are the kind of players, Josh, that he's looking for because, I mean, they seem like they'd be a perfect fit based on what we think we know. Well, and I think he would be a gigantic add for Oklahoma, somebody that can help you straight away plug up the middle of that defense if you can get an Aishim Young to, to come over yeah. to Oklahoma. So that that would be great. What Do we know – 
uh, I, I forget from the press conference. I'm sure Brent Venables was probably asked, what's his philosophy on the transfer portal? If I remember, several people have brought up how it doesn't look like he's a massive fan of it. But I also think that, listen, I wasn't, I wasn't a massive fan of talking about the music that Josh plays coming out of a break, and then he started playing all these fire hits. You know, sometimes your opinion can change based on the circumstances. Maybe he gets here defensively and he says, I need a dude more like the BJ. I'm just using this as an example because someone tweeted it. I need a dude more like a BJ Foster build. So I, maybe that can be something that he might not be a big fan of right now, Josh, but could change. But I'll, I'll, um, if I get a chance to talk to him by chance tonight, Josh, I'll ask him. How's that? I love it. How's that for a tease? Absolutely. Ask him about, uh, yeah, his just general thoughts on the transfer portal, if he's for or against it. This is not really news, but I saw this circulating, making the rounds yesterday. Uh, I forget who tweeted it, so I apologize that I'm not giving you proper credit here. First ever commit in the Brent Venables era, the quarterback, right, Nick Evers. Right. Do you remember who the first commit was of the Bob Stoops era? Was it Josh Heupel? I don't I, – I think it was somebody oh. different. Okay, who was it that I was just guessing? I have no idea. I want to say it was maybe Jason White. Was it? It may have been. I mean, Jason White was in college for like 12 years. You know, he was – he had that COVID year before we knew COVID existed. So – We'll have to ask. I think Jason said that on the show, didn't he? Because he was coming out of Tuttle, ninety-eight. Is that right, or would he not have been? Well, he might have committed well before he could have signed. Okay, all right. We'll have to ask him. I'm sure Jason remembers it. But that would have been his junior season, going into his no, going into his junior season of high school. So it would make sense. Hmm. What do we you make of? Jerry Jones saying that it's probably fair to say that Dak is in a slump. Well, you know what that shows me is that he's been watching football and pays attention. I mean, that's what it shows me. <laughs> I mean, listen, let's just be honest about this, Josh. The interception, the interception that he threw at the end of that game against Washington, as far as situations concerned and as far as game management is concerned, that might be the worst interception in the history of the National Football League. And I know that you could talk about worst-looking throws and, and, and fumbles, but that was as far as throwing it right to a guy in a situation where the only thing you can't do is throw an interception. Holy smoke. So I think good on – you know what else I think it shows? I think it shows that Jerry's not afraid to, you know, call someone out, which, by the way, it was almost as if he had to be prodded into it. Because I think he's, ah, I don't want to say he's in a slump, but, you know, he's in a slump. <laughs> That's kind of how the answer went to the question. Well, you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> I guess you could say that. Guess you could say he's in a slump. All right, where are we going next? we got time for one more news nugget. You mentioned this a little bit earlier. The COVID-19 stuff, the, the Brooklyn Nets have ruled four players out because of wow. COVID-19 health and safety protocols uh, as of this morning. So the Nets now have five players out due to those That's protocols. That's unreal. And, oh, by the way, Kevin Durant's on the injury report. 
Boy, they are just, they're in a tough spot right now. Bulls have had their next two games canceled. Uh, If you're paying attention to the problems in the NFL, the Browns have gone all virtual today. So hope things don't necessarily accelerate where there's any issues going forward for the NFL. Um, A legend has checked in, Josh Helmer. A legend. Confirming your idea. I have heard from one of, no, 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 let me rephrase it. My favorite sports writer of all time. I can say it now, he's retired. Dave Sittler just texted and said, it was Jason White. Ah, He was committed to Miami and Larry Coker. Stoops flipped him, I think, the same day as his press conference. How about that? Look That's at you. Right. Look at the big brain on Josh in the memory. Thanks, Settler. I miss you, buddy. All right, I got to go. Um, I've got to go dive into this press conference. What am I saying? Uh, this luncheon that I'm going to be a part of him seeing today. <laughs> it's basically so, like a press conference. <laughs> I'm going to go to this press conference, which is to brag and uh, raise awareness for the Mary Abbott House. Josh uh, has one final segment to wrap things up next, and we'll be uh, – Back in some way, shape, or form tomorrow on signing day, right here on The Ref. One final time, we're back with you. And by we, I mean me. Josh Helmer here with you on The Plank Show. On The Ref Sports Radio Network. This is the home of Sooner fans. Man, I just, I got to, like, pinch myself a little bit here. It's just kind of unbelievable what Brent Venables, really what Bob Stoops, what Oklahoma has been able to do with this recruiting class. I'm not here to tell you that they're definitely finishing number 10, but the fact that this thing, on the eve of the early signing period, about to kick off tomorrow. The fact that this thing just didn't totally fall in upon itself, that Oklahoma was able to convince a bunch of these guys to stick with OU and come here, man, it, it is. And we got a text earlier that's tired of the the Bob Stoops praise. I'll, I'll read this to you all. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, hey, you disagree with us? That's okay. That's what the text line's for. You fire them away anyways. 405-651-3439. Jeez, people, can you please come up with some new material? How many times are you going to say this This dang Bob Stoops is the greatest for helping out there? It's almost unbearable to hear. Man, look, I don't know what to tell you. That narrative isn't going away, and that narrative isn't going away because it's an incredible story, man. I mean, how many times have you seen a coach, and the answer, by the way, before we get to the end of this tale here, is zero. We haven't seen a coach do this. We haven't seen a coach have a Hall of Fame coaching career at a university, step down from said university, hand the keys to the car over to the bright young prodigy and somebody named Lincoln Riley, and then a short five years later, the prodigy that was given the Blue Blood program bolts in the night, and all of a sudden, the previous coach that's 
you know, I guess you'd say kind of been waiting in the wings, but has made it very clear he he's not trying to seriously get back into coaching college football. All of a sudden, in the turmoil, in the chaos that ensued for Oklahoma with decommitments from top-rated recruits left and right happening, he comes in and stabilizes the thing. I mean, the only – the situations are quite a bit different, but the only other situation that I can really think of that feels similar to me is Bill Snyder at Kansas State post-Ron Prince. Comes in, does the press conference, takes over, has another great run at Kansas State, wins another Big 12 championship or yeah wins a second big 12 championship at kansas state with colin klein comes in does the press conference says hey i'm here to calm the waters for oklahoma to end up where they're gonna probably end up in this recruiting class at 10 right now according to the 247 sports team composite rankings with i think a Jaden gibson commitment coming up on deck later tonight at six o'clock it's Amazing that this thing has not fallen apart on OU, and it's going to be a, a great transition class. I I would have loved to see Oklahoma get one or two of those Clemson decommitments, but I'm also not going to sit here and knock Brent Venables a ton for being loyal, for not wanting to poach from Dabo Sweeney. There is a part of me, though, I have to admit – that feels like, yeah, but, you know, loyalty only wins so many football games for you. You know, now you're the head football coach at Oklahoma, and if you have the the inkling that maybe one or two of these guys, maybe the Cannon kid, if you have the inkling that they could come to Oklahoma if you ask them to, then almost don't you have that responsibility to OU to to explore that? But I get it. Loyalty is is something that's that's worth being celebrated, too, for Brent Venables. That's it for me. That's it for Chris Plank. We're back uh, tomorrow with you. Thanks to our guests today. That's it for us. Keep it locked right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. It's the home of Sooner fans. It's time for Steel, man. It's time for Thune at noon. Keep it locked in right here. <laughs>